0: and Trusting God, and we passed out a handout, and if you were not here, I think they had some extras that were given out tonight, and uh, quite a challenging subject because I don't suppose, if you think about it, I doubt if a day goes by in my life where I face that balance, trying to keep the balance between testing God and or trusting God and really, well, yeah, testing God or tempting Him. Uh, We talked about tempting God, that it's marked by someone with an attitude problem. They're trying to get God to do something for them, and they're complaining or griping about what God has done. And so, as oftentimes, God's people tempted God by chiding and griping and complaining. Uh, And then, of course, we saw the example of the devil trying to tempt Christ uh, three times. And trying to, again, get him to do something, well, the attitude's a problem, and the authority is a problem, where you take the place of God and try to become the authority, and you tell God what he must do to reveal his will. Uh, Although we oftentimes look at Gideon's putting out a fleece, if you were here last night, I trust you got the point that what Gideon did that day was not godly, furthest thing from it. He was not acting out of faith. Uh, He was acting out of fear. Uh, He was telling God what God had to do in order to reveal his will. Let's let God be God. See, if I tell God what he must do, then my mind's getting involved and the devil could counterfeit. But if I let God decide how he's going to reveal his will to me, then I'll know it's of God because it's something I would never have thought of, never smart enough to think of when he reveals his will to me. So it is a difficult balance. We talked about that trusting God is believing that God can work in us and through us to accomplish His plan, that God uses human means to accomplish His will, and that trusting in God does not mean I just sit back and do nothing, but that God may use me and use others in my life to accomplish His will for me and for your family. We had a, a chart I gave you, and I suppose that's the best place to start tonight. So if you have this chart, if you've got the other side, the super long quote, we're not going to look at that tonight. But I just want you to see the challenge before us tonight, and that is that I can find just as many verses on the left-hand side of my little chart that show that clearly, clearly it's God and God alone. In fact, I would highly recommend you do this as a Bible study and. Add to the left side. Every time you come across a passage that clearly teaches it must be God and God alone, then you write that down in the left-hand column. And then in the right-hand column, every time you come across a passage that clearly teaches that God uses human means, then write that down on the right. And we're going to decide tonight, as we look into God's Word, to try to help you figure out how do you decide which side to be on. And that's something you're going to see tonight, I hope as you look into God's Word, that that might change from person to person. In fact, it might even change from time to time in your life. I have met some that for a while believed they were going to undergo any type of treatment they possibly could for cancer. And then I've also seen those same people after exhaustion sets in, Decide it's time to just leave it in God's hands. Well, were they right with God one time and not right with God the other? Or how do you sort all that out? Well, let me just kind of read through the left-hand side. And if you are one that, like I am, I love to be on the left-hand side. I mean, I love to simply stand back, do nothing, and let God be God. Are you with me on that? I think probably most of us would love to be on the left-hand side. So you've got plenty of scripture to back you up. Now, on the other hand, if you realize that God uses human means, I've got the right side for you. So I guess that means that tonight, brother, we probably could have a church split by the time we get done. You could decide, all right, which side are you on? The left side or the right side? Sheep or the goats? Well, let me give you some of the verses, and there are literally hundreds of them that would deal with this subject. What I like about this type of a Bible study Is you're not going to get any kind of software that's going to help you out. Yes, I like all the technology, and I like all. Well, why not? Because you can't do word studies. You have to be. You have to do a concept study, because different words are used to describe the same concept, and oftentimes all the words that are used in one passage are not even close to any of the words that are used in another. Well, then how do you do this kind of a Bible study? I'm glad you asked. You read through your Bible over and over and over again. That's what you do. You read through it, and every time you come across something that deals with God and God alone, you write it down. Anytime you come across something that God used human means, you write it down. And it's a fantastic study because it's going to take you the rest of your life. You let me know when you finish, and I'll grade your work. Let's look at the left-hand side. I love these passages, all of them. And again, they're just, this is just, Touching the surface. Psalm 46:10, we probably got this verse in different plaques in our house, and perhaps you do as well. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. Next, Exodus 14:13 to 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. In other words, don't do anything. Don't intrude upon what God's going to do for you. let him be God. You keep your peace. All right, next, Second Chronicles 2017. ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Next, Isaiah 30 verse seven. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Oftentimes I come to the place of my life I know you have as well where the greatest strength you have from God is when you do nothing. Sit still. Stand stand still. Be quiet. Let God work. All right, the next one, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord our God well the way i read that you get the idea that's almost condemning those who would dare is be so foolish as to trust in their chariots right how could you anybody be so foolish as to trust in their horses we are more spiritual we are more godly because we remember the name of the Lord our God Judges 7-2. Now we're into the passage on Gideon. The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. The reason why God used only 300, He didn't want anybody taking the credit. So He starts with, what, 10,000, and He narrows that down and finally gets it down to 300. And I know usually about halfway through the message on Gideon, somebody suggests that these ones who drank water a certain way were really skilled at drinking water. Now, wait a minute. The point is that God's going to take a small group of people that can't do anything right, would be lousy at fighting a battle, so they're going to have to go into battle with pitchers and lanterns and so on. I think basically what the Lord said, you see those 300 guys, how they drank? It's a bunch of idiots. That's what they are. Look how they drink water. But I tell you what, I'm going to use them to fight the Midianites because with 300 of them, I'm going to get the victory and nobody can take any credit. You've got to believe that those 300 people were skilled at somehow the way they drank the water, they would have taken the credit. Yes, I'm here. Thank you very much because, you know, I am a superior water drinker. No. No. You're here because you're an idiot. You're here because you have no clue how to drink water. But God's going to get the victory and nobody's going to take the credit but God. All right, that's Judges 7-2. Now, 1 Samuel 17, that gets in the story of David. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we're going to look at that for a few minutes tonight as well. Probably one of my favorite verses. It's the one I've used as my life verse. If you ever ask me to sign your Bible or Bible doctrines book, you'll see Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Daniel 3, 17 and 18, as the three Hebrew children... Come before the ruler. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The last one on this left hand side is probably one of the most interesting, and that's why the quote on the back, and we're not going to take the time to look through it but I've given you a very lengthy quotation on this passage because it really speaks to the subject of letting God be God and keeping your hands off. Ezra 8, 21-23. To seek of God a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help against the enemy in the way. Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. What's being said is here, I was afraid to ask men to help me because I had gone on record already. I had gone on record that God and God alone will be the one to win the victory. And I'm not going to use human means. I'm not going to go to any human soldiers. I'm not going to go to any army and request of the king anybody to help us against the enemy. That's a great passage. So as I said, if you, like I, love to come to the place in your life when you realize, God, if you don't work a miracle in my life, it's not going to happen. And I love every one of these passages and so many more. But I have to be honest with you. For every passage that I see in the left-hand side, I see that God oftentimes uses human means to accomplish His will. And that by trusting in God, we expect God to use whatever individual, whatever people, whatever church, whatever circumstances He desires to use to accomplish in my life and in yours what he wants to do. Let's look at the right-hand side. The Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. Deuteronomy 14, 29. 2 Kings 15, 27. And the Lord saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Judges 6. And the Lord looked upon him, that's Gideon, and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Human means. Nehemiah 4:9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. That's a great balance right there. They're on the wall, they're building a wall, and they're ready to fight, and they're praying all at one time. Talk about having your attention drawn in many different directions. But I like that. They were both watching and praying, were they not? They're ready to fight the battle. They're ready to build the wall. They're asking God for help. They're doing everything they can. Uh, We have did that with our kids for years when they were praying. We believe the Bible says watch and pray. So I watch my kids, make sure they close their eyes when they pray. So weren't you trusting God for your kids to be holy? No. I was not. Yes, I was. I was trusting the Lord to use me. I was trusting the Lord to use my eyes. I was trusting the Lord to use my ears. I was trusting the Lord to use my discipline if necessary in their lives. Well, I've heard some parents say, well, I'm just trusting God to raise my kids. I've seen some of those kids coming from a single parent home. doesn't work. God wants you to do your part. There's got to be both, but let's go back to our passages. Proverbs 3, 5 and or 5 and 6, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 1 Chronicles 5:20. Valiant men, men of able to bear buckler and sword, and to shoot with bow and skillful in war. They were helped, for they cried to God in the battle, and he was entreated of them because they put their trust in him. Again we've seen David fights the lion and the bear. In at 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 14, 6, And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come and let's get over. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Again, there's the human means. God can use many. God can use few. God can use none. It's up to God, not you, not me. Hebrews 11, who through faith, by the way, we call it the faith chapter. Some call it the hall of faith. And yet you know, all the way through Hebrews 11, I see men and women who trust in God and are busy doing something for God. There's the balance. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, would quenched the violence of fire, out of weakness were made strong, Wax valiant in fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Then 2 Chronicles 24 11, I love this passage. I put the little note here. It became the verse that was used in the song, We Rest on Thee. You probably don't sing that much anymore. I don't know if I've ever heard a congregation sing it. It's based on uh, Be Still My Soul. It's different words. What you want to do sometime is Google. We Rest on Thee, or plug in Aka Indians, or the five missionaries, and you'll see a special rendition of that beautiful song, the song that was sung by those five missionaries back in the 1950s, January 8, 1956, the night before they entered into the village of the Akkas and were slaughtered as they attempted to get the gospel to them. It's based on this 2 Chronicles 14.11 passage. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. These are all fantastic passages of Scripture. I love every one of them. And yet I realize that perhaps this Looking at the two different sides of this issue can sometimes for us be very frustrating. How do I know when I've taken God's place and tried to do too much on my own? When do I realize perhaps I've not done enough on my own? I mean, I'm assuming tonight that since some of you are involved in the medical community, you believe that we can use the medical com- community to our advantage and we ought to, and we do. You got to see our daughter last night. She probably looks pretty normal to you, but has a seven-centimeter AVM in the base of her brain, keeps her on disability. She cannot drive a car. She doesn't have the perception that's necessary to drive. She'll have that all her life. When she gave birth to Michael and somebody saw him last night, now a young man, his voice is changing. We're kidding about that now. As his voice cracked all last night. You know, he finally becoming a man, and yet we doubted that he'd even live to see the first light of day as a child, as a baby. Two other women at the hospital there in Louisville, Kentucky, also had ABMs, also pregnant at the same time. Both of those other women died that summer that we were there with our daughter. So if anybody's ever learned to trust in God, I know you can say, that's me. I know I've had to. I know you have. I know a lot of you have been through things, that I can't begin to comprehend what you've been through as a family. And you've had to come to the place where you trust the Lord. It's not always easy to keep the balance, but that's what we want to talk about in the final part of our message tonight. We want to trust the Lord. We know we should. We know that he can do things without any of our help at all we also realize that God does use people. He uses us to get the gospel out. We are his means by which the gospel is to be taken to this world. And yet I know some well-meaning, good, God-believing people who trust God, believe things I just can't wrap my brain around. I know a couple that's been serving the Lord for years who simply believe that adoption is wrong. Now, maybe there's someone like that here tonight and not my purpose to preach for that or preach against it. He said, I've just never in my life heard anything like that. Well, if you think through what they believe, they said, now, you need to trust God to give you children. If God does not see fit to give you children, then you need to leave it at that. That if you are adopting children, you are intruding into God's office and doing something that God has already told you clearly you should not be involved in. I don't agree with that, but I kind of understand their thinking. They want to trust God. They want to trust God alone. If God gives you children, praise the Lord. If God does not give you children, then praise the Lord and leave it at that. Our neighbor passed away just a few weeks ago. Oh, Four days before Christmas, Joe Gillis had a heart attack. She thought she just had indigestion, and they didn't do much about it. She just said, well, it'll go away. And a few days later, because of the heart attack, then she had a stroke. They realized then after the stroke, after she could not talk, they did some studies and found out, did some tests, and realized that she had a hole in one of her valves. So they flew her to Birmingham for major surgery. The surgery was only partially successful, but the hole kept increasing in size. And then, while she was there in Birmingham, she developed COVID. To add to everything else, her four sons were coming in. I think you had Brent Gillis here. You've had him here before. This is, we're talking about his mother. Uh, our wonderful lady served the Lord in so many different ways. And I remember Mike and I. That was that's her husband. We had some long discussions during that time when they had to make a decision about whether or not they turn off the ventilator. I don't know if you've had that decision to make, but talk about one that gets real serious now. Where are you on the balance? Are you trusting God and God alone, or does God use human means, and how much does he use it, and when do we step back? And, and I was at least able to take God's word and amazingly turn into a passage that is from the oldest book of the Bible, I believe, the book of Job. Isn't it amazing that we so often think the Bible doesn't have the answers for everything you and I are facing in 2021? And yet I believe the answer for Mike, and he really needed these verses that day because he had to make a decision that he didn't want to make. And I was finally determined that most likely Jill Gillis was already with the Lord and they had to turn out the ventilator. So we talked for a while. i Inside his house, and I read to him Job 14, 5 and 6, which compares the end of life to a, a hireling or a farmer. It says, just like the farmer comes in from the field and he's tired because he's worked all day and he slips into his recliner so he can get a little bit of a nap before supper, what do you do? Well, you leave him alone. Let him rest. And that's exactly what it says. Seeing as days are determined, the number of months are with thee, Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as an hireling his day. Let the farmer alone, let him rest, let him come to the end of his day and do nothing. And I said, Mike, I believe that's what God would have us to do for your wife. It's finally come to the end of her life. Like a worker out in the field, she's come to the end of her day. Nothing else we can do. You've done everything. You flew her to Birmingham. She had the surgery. Everything's been done that possibly humanly can be done. The time has come to simply say, all right, Lord, we're going to leave her in your hands. That's not an easy decision for anybody to make. But again, we all face those times in our lives. How do we keep the balance? What do we know? Do we simply do something that God wants us to do? We use the means that are available? We we take advantage of the medical community to do these things? Yes. I mean, when Liddy had her AVM, still does, we had her at every hospital we could, seeing every doctor we could, talking to every neurologist and every surgeon. But one of them says to me one day, and I asked, what does it mean that she has a seven centimeter AVM in the base of her brain? He says, well, it means her life expectancy is not that of ours. Then I realized we had done all we can, and when I got out of my little red truck to drive back to Pensacola from Louisville, I just grabbed the steering wheel and said, Lord, I can't do anything else. It has to be you. God and God alone. We've done what we felt was right. We've tried to use the means that you give us. The time has come. Lord, she is as she always has been. She is in your hands. Well, let's look at the ending of the message, just some applications that I want to give to you, and I've already made some. But on your page, I believe, page three, Applications, I think it's important, number one, to let God dictate the terms of trusting Him. So, yeah, go ahead and pass those out if you have them. You've been very patiently waiting for the end of the message. So, number one, let God dictate the terms of trusting Him. Is it time for me to be available and be used or is it time to be still? Not always easy, but Philip Bennett Power, the quote I've given you in this handout, we cannot expect God to prosper anything which intrudes itself into his place and detracts from his honor. We must make God the great ultimate object of our trust, even though the usual human instrumentality of help may be at hand. Even when God uses human means, we certainly need to thank the Lord. Amen? I mean, ultimately, it is of God. Certainly, he can use... Medicine certainly can use doctors. He can use the hospital. He can, God can do all of this, but ultimately when it comes down to it, we need to make sure that our praise and honor and glory goes to Him. So let's let God dictate the terms of trusting Him. Number two, keep in mind that God is able to work with or without human means. Though He most often uses them, he is not dependent upon them. George Mueller is usually held up as one who always trusted God, sought God's face, never used human means. And, uh, you know, I love the story of George Mueller. But I also know some missionaries have taken the story of George Mueller, so they will never ask anybody to provide their needs. If they make up a missionary prayer letter, they'll never list what their needs would be. And they're honoring, in a sense, George Mueller, because that's what he did. I mean, he would pray for milk for the orphanage, and all of a sudden a milk truck breaks down outside, and I think you've heard the story. So I guess part of the question is, should any of us ever share with anybody else what our needs are, or is that lacking trust in God? Well, I, I love George Mueller, but I would rather use the Lord Jesus Christ as my example on that one. On Palm Sunday, Luke nineteen thirty to 31 if any man asks you about the colt that I'm asking you to get for me, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto them, what? Because the Lord hath need of him. Christ was willing to share his need, and he didn't think it was lacking in trust, of trust in God to share with other people what his need might be. So keep in mind that God is able to work with or without human means Though he most often uses them, he is not dependent upon them. Number three, the balance between surrender to God and subordination with God may vary from person to person and from time to time. That's a tough one. But I think it's important for us to see in this that that's why you need to be very, very careful that you don't become a crusader for your particular position. I have two very close friends right now who both have similar cancers. One is doing absolutely everything he can to have every treatment that is available, and the other one is simply tired and saying enough's enough. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's more spiritual? Who's trusting in God? Well, I submit to you they both are. I would be very careful that one of them might preach to the other and say, you're ungodly, you're wicked, because you're not doing it my way. When it comes to this balance of trusting God or tempting God, let's make sure that we individually and personally go to our great God and seek his face and know what he wants us to do. And just because somebody else doesn't do it exactly the same way, don't become a crusader. You need to realize that they will vary from person to person and may even vary from time to time. The decision you made today may not be the decision you make a year from now. You may realize that God is working in your heart and life in a different way than he did a year ago. And your approach might be diametrically opposed to what your attitude was before. Number four, follow every aspect of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. One phrase at a time. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Say, Lord, I give it all to you. Lean not to thine own understanding. C.H. Spurgeon said it this way. Do we need to understand everything? Are we all brain and no heart? What should we be the better if we did understand all mysteries? I believe God. I trust God. I bow before His Word. Is not this better for us than the conceit of knowing and understanding, we are as yet mere children. We know in part. Small c, in all thy ways acknowledge him. I find it interesting in these last points of c and d that you've got the combination and the psalmist here, or the one writing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, seems to just very easily go back and forth between God's part and man's part. It's in all Thy ways acknowledge him, but it's your ways. In my ways, I'm supposed to acknowledge him. And then he, that's God, is going to direct whose path. God going to direct his path. No, God's going to direct my paths, thy paths. So you have the same thing with David we saw in 1 Samuel 17. He moves fluidly and very easily between I'm the one that fought the lion and the bear and God fought the lion and the bear. And he seems to be able to go back and forth and does not, for one second, believe he's contradicting what he just said. So yes, I can trust in the Lord, and yet God can use human means. And all of thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. There is this eternal balance. When I get up in the morning, I usually start my day with a very simple prayer. Lord, I do not know what this day will bring forth. I ask you to bring people into my life that are there by divine appointment, someone to whom I can be a blessing or someone that can be a blessing to me. Lord, may I look upon the little insignificant details of the day and realize that even them come from you. And Lord, help me to see you in everything that happens today. And may I be smart enough when I get to the end of the day to realize how much you were working. May I never be so blind to the insignificant details of the day that I forget that you are the one in charge. In all thy ways, I, I acknowledge him. I said, yes, Lord, you are God. I trust in you. I'm going to acknowledge you in every part, every detail of my life. David Jeremiah says, God knows and orders the arrangement for every day. He knows tomorrow as well as he knows yesterday, and he invites us to ask him for guidance at every point. He guides us with his eyes so that our own eyes can see the way. Number five, learn to trust God in all things at all times, whether small or great, whether in the best or worst of life's challenges. Psalm 16 reminds us that the lines are fallen to me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And Philip Benneth Powers, I've given a quote there, "...the daily circumstances of life will afford us opportunities enough of glorifying God, in trust, without or waiting for any extraordinary calls upon our faith. Let us remember that the extraordinary circumstances of life are few, that much of life may slip past without their occurrence." And that if we be not faithful and trusting in that which is little, we are not likely to be so in that which is great. Let our trust be reared in the humble nursery of our own daily experience, with its ever-recurring little wants and trials and sorrows. And then, when need be, we'll come forth to do such great things as are required of it. Number six, God delights to reveal His trustworthiness in unexpected ways. Let me say that one again. God delights to reveal his trustworthiness in unexpected ways. The reason why I gave up as a college student putting out fleeces, yeah, first of all, like I told you last night, didn't get too many dates that way, so it really didn't work for me. But, you know, that seems to be a favorite tool of the college student. I'm going to put out a bunch of fleeces. I'm going to tell God what he has to do. In order to reveal his will, I really enjoyed it far more when God decided how to reveal himself to me. And if I start my morning with the prayer that I gave you and say, Lord, just let me be smart enough to see you're working in every little detail of the day, it's amazing how much he does that. And it's amazing how often he does it in totally unexpected ways, where I come to the end of the day and said, I never even could begin to think of that could have happened. Wasn't even thinking in that direction. And yet God reveals himself in such unexpected ways. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, watch, which thou knowest not. Or Ephesians 3.20, my brother's favorite verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly above all that we ask or think. One of the most exciting parts of every day for me is watching God do things in totally unexpected ways. I know it has to be of God because I wasn't smart enough to think that one up. Number seven, trusting God is ultimately a complete surrender to his will. I'm sure we've all come to a place like that, like we did with Lydia and, and Leah, our daughter in Guam, who has gastroparesis, and, and all the challenges our girls have gone through. We just finally had to realize you know, we'll do what we can, we'll get them the best doctors, and best hospitals. And for her angiogram for Lydia, every three years we make sure that's the same doctor because he's good. Dr. Paulson, he moved to Indiana, but he moved back and because we prayed that he'd come back to Louisville so she could have him again. And I don't know what we're going to do when he retires, but we've tried to do everything we can, humanly speaking, but then we realize it's a complete surrender to God. I remember they had a college chapel at PCC a few years ago now, where they asked some of the international students if they were willing to give a testimony in that chapel. So there was one young lady from South Korea, still kind of struggling with the English language, but she felt she could give a testimony and thought it might be a blessing to the student body, and it was. She described leaving her home for the first time as a freshman to fly from South Korea to Pensacola, Florida to attend PCC. She said, My parents made it very clear before we left, before I left, that they could not afford to visit me anytime during the next four years that I was in college. Not only that, but they could not afford to fly me back to South Korea during the interterm or during any of the summers. I'd have to get a job during the interterm, I'd have to get a job during the summer. She said, The only promise my parents made to me was that if I graduated, they would save the money up for those four years that I was in college and they would promise me that they both would fly from South Korea for my graduation. She said, I'll never forget the day I got on that airplane. I had a window seat, she said. I looked out the window as we're taking off as the blue sky takes over my vision She said, I simply bowed my head and said this prayer. Dear God, I guess it's just you and me now. I guess it's just you and me. And she said, it was during those four years that I grew spiritually like I've never grown before. There's something about getting away from the routine. Praise the Lord for us parents. There's something about getting away from it all and realizing it is God and God alone in whom must be your trust. Trusting God is ultimately a complete surrender to His will. Number eight, let God be God and stand in awe of a God who does all things well. I'd love to pray this final prayer. I think I included on the handout just kind of like Hezekiah, as he's decided between those two signs, he goes for the toughy. He goes for the difficult one. He goes for the one that in his mind has no human explanation. And I love to pray that prayer. Dear God, do something in my life today for which there is no human explanation that I'll know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you were the one that authored that wonderful thing that came into my life today. If you're not used to praying that prayer, may I challenge you to do exactly that. You, I, I could spend the rest of the week, I could spend a year. What I've done is I've kept a journal so that I would not ever forget how God has answered that prayer. Dear God, Today, do something in my life for which there is absolutely no human explanation. Today, I want you to be God and do something for me that no one else can do. Let's move forward to prayer.